So listen, all right, everybody got some snacks? Everybody's good to go? Listen, hang with me, all right? Do some arm circles and stay loose. This is going to be, I've been listening to a lot of Matt Chandler, which to me is like drinking a lot of coffee, so I'm real intense tonight. Uh, we, we cut our snack time just a little bit so that I could have some more time. Um, this, tonight is going to be called, let's see how many emails Ryan gets before the end of the week, okay? So I'm super excited. Um, now listen, listen. Hang in with me. Now let's talk for a second. So we're doing a series, kind of, a series on what right now? Dating. A series on dating right now, okay? And this is the Bible and, and so now we're doing the Bible and dating, and, and I'll address a little bit of that in a second, but listen, listen, just hang with me for a second. Now look at me. Stop chipping, eating, and look at me real quick, real quick. This stuff that we're going to talk about tonight is a really big deal, okay? And if you will hang in here with me, if you will lean in here with me, I think that this could be a real game changer for some of you, and for others of you, I think it can get you off on the right foot, okay? And listen, I know for some of you, it's like, oh my gosh, we're talking about dating, and for some of you who are especially in middle school might be like, oh, why are we talking about dating again? First of all, I understand that doesn't mean anything to you now. It will, but I understand that it means nothing to you now, and that's okay. But here's the thing. Here's what I've been finding, and high schoolers can back me up a little bit here. We used to talk about dating, and it was just high school, and middle school would be in a different building. But what I found is by the time we got to high school, we were almost too late. Does that make sense? Like by the time you're in high school, your brain and your soul are already being formed by what you're seeing on your phone and where you're listening to it and, and all this different stuff that by the time I get to high school, it's almost too late to talk to you guys about some of this stuff. So I want to talk to you about this as early as I can. Does that make sense? Okay? Because I love you and I care about you and I want this to matter. Bless you. Um, and your children. All right, so here we go. Um, is that song? You know what I'm talking about? Um, here, here, here we go. And here's the, other, here's the last thing before we get into it. I know that it's like, oh, this is kind of weird. It's kind of awkward. Why are we talking about this at church? One, I'd much rather talk about, listen, I'd much rather you guys talk about this here than where you're getting it out there, okay? Which is like the two biggest ones that I can think of is in the locker room or on TikTok. Like that's where you're getting your influences for like, what relationships look like, like what dating is supposed to look like, what guys are for, what girls are for, and we need to change that, okay? So we're going to step into the weird a little bit tonight, and hopefully we'll get some clarity out of it. Does that make sense? We cool? We're on the same page? Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in, all right? So let me pray, and then let's, let's get in. Lord, this is a super important topic, and we love to have a good time. We love to hang out um, but focus our minds, Lord, for the next 25 or so minutes, focus our minds as we talk about a very important subject. Um, give me clarity. Uh, use your words to impact these students' hearts and their lives in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Song of Solomon real quick. Song of Solomon. I'm just going to compound the weird, okay? Sixth grade, just like find the seatbelt behind your chair and just hang out for a minute. Um, so we talked about a few things a couple weeks ago when we talked about dating, okay? Three points that we've already covered. First is that dating is serious, okay? My deal at PVN, what I want you guys to realize is, yes, age is also important, but don't focus just so much on a particular age to start dating as much as when are you, listen, as when are you ready to take this seriously, okay? And part of taking it seriously might be getting outside uh, feedback from other people, 
Other friends, hey, do you think I'm ready for this? Talking to, yes, believe it or not, pull the fork out of your eye. Talk to your parents about this. Yeah, I know it sounds like sitting on like hot coals rather than doing that, but maybe getting some outside advice would be good. Listen, maybe if you're not mature enough to handle that conversation, you're not mature enough to handle another person, perhaps. So dating is serious. Number two, it's okay. Lindley was like, yes, amen, that was awesome. Uh, number two, it's okay to want to date. It's okay to want to date. That doesn't mean that you don't, have, you don't have enough faith. You should be satisfied in God because we talked about in Genesis 2, because sin comes into the world in Genesis 3, but according to Genesis 2, Adam says at last when he sees Eve. So perfect Adam in the presence of God still wanted that companionship with someone else. Wanting to date is not a sign of a lack of faith. You follow me? It's okay if you want to date, but it's about keeping that desire in the right place, which leads to number three, which we've already covered. Dating is a gift, not a God. Dating is a gift, not a God, okay? And one of the reasons I know that, that we talked about, is because when dating becomes your God, you actually hurt the person you're dating. You don't actually help them because the relationship becomes your God, and you make all the excuses you can to keep the relationship going, the more and more unhealthy it gets, so by making God, listen, by making God your God, you're actually helping your relationship. When the sun is in the center of the galaxy, all the planets are in alignment. But if you take the wrong thing and put it in the center, it throws off the gravity of everything else in your life. Does that make sense? When God is at the center of your life, your relationship will naturally fall into place. So the three things, again, dating is serious, it's okay to want to date, and dating is a gift not a God, okay? And this will be on our podcast if you want to listen to it. Um, and here's the other thing, too, with dating being a gift, not a God. Dating is a good thing, right? It's a gift. It's a good thing. But in our broken souls, listen to me, in our broken hearts, we can take even a good thing and turn it into God. Does that make sense? We can take a, a good thing, like athletics or academics or, or, or dating, and turn it into a God. And since it's a good thing that you're worshiping, you don't even realize you're sinning. Does that make sense? Since it's a good thing that you're worshiping, you don't even realize that you're sinning. And so you're breaking everything around you, and you don't even realize you're doing it. But remi- remembering that dating is a gift, not a God, is so important. Number four, let's talk about physical stuff for a little bit. Okay? Let's talk. Every single high schooler just went... Like that. So let's talk about this for just a second. And by a second, I mean like 20 or so minutes. Listen, and I know it might be weird, okay? But I'm finding, again, that by the time I get to high school on this, it's too late. Like it's over. It's too late. And your minds and your hearts are already being molded and folded in different ways. And also, like I said, I'd way rather you learn about this stuff in the student building than in the locker room or on social media or on TV or whatever. Song of Solomon, chapter 1. 15 to 17. It'll be on the board. Song of Solomon, chapter 1. I can't wait to hear, like when you get in the minivan tonight. So what did you guys talk about? And your parents just like burst into flame. All right, here we go. So Song of Solomon 1, 15 to 17. Maybe not, though. Your parents are awesome. They really are. And the older you get, the more you will see. All right, here we go. All right, this is Song of Solomon, chapter 1, 15 through 17. They're speaking to each other. Now think about it. We're talking about physical stuff. Here we go. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Okay, fellas, don't lead with that. We'll explain. Um, she, like, like, don't just walk up to her at the track meet and be like, behold, and like, don't do that. So she, 
Behold, now she seems to be reciprocating them because she also says, Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. Our, now here it is. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. Look at this last part again. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. Some of your Bibles might say firs there, F-I-R-S at the end. Now listen, not a trick question. Help me out. Cedars, pines, firs are all types of what? Trees, evergreens, good, parker. Yeah, they're types of trees. Their couch is green, right? Their couch is green. They're surrounded by all these trees. This is poetry language. It's not interior decorating, unless that's just kind of your thing. But they've got a green couch, trees all around. Listen, where are they? They're where? They're... Are they, they're in the forest, yeah, the wilderness, like wandering around. Are they, listen, are they inside or are they outside? They're out, they're, they're outside, they're outside. Listen, listen, they're outside, which means they're within view of other people. Their courtship, their dating, listen, their dating is taking place, listen to me, their dating is taking place in public, not on a couch in the basement. Their dating is taking place in public, not behind some theater parking lot. Their dating is taking place in public. Now, listen, the whole point is not just that they're outside. Like, if you're not an outdoors person, that doesn't mean you're going to be single forever, okay? Like, oh, you want to go hiking again? Oh, awesome. Okay. No, no, no. Listen, the point is not just their location. The point is the location of their hearts. Does that make sense? Their point is not just their location, it's the point of their hearts. They're going, by going outside, by going into the public eye around people, they are making a conscious effort to preserve their bodies and souls for marriage. By actively being in front of people, by making the decision to put themselves in front of other people, under, under the judgment and eyes of other people that they are accountable to, they are making the decision to preserve their bodies and souls for marriage. And look at 16. Look at 16. Behold, you're beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. Our couch is green. This word for couch, some versions in your Bible might say bed. And, and this is what's happening because in ancient times, they didn't have couches like with the handles and like the crank with the lazy, right? Like can you imagine like Solomon just like posted up on the thing? So it's a couch that you lie down on, okay? That's what you did. It was couches that you lied down on, not really one that you sit on. Now listen, listen. This bed, this couch, this bed, the idea here is the idea of intimacy. It is. It's this idea of intimacy. But so why would she use a word for intimacy when she's talking about a public place and they're not being physically intimate, why does she talk about physical intimacy? Or why does she talk, excuse me, why does she talk about intimacy when they're not being physically intimate? It shows that there is a type of intimacy in dating, a type of biblical dating that has an intimacy to it, but it is a public intimacy. Talking, going on walks, getting to know each other. Getting to know each other in public also means getting to know each other's family, getting to know each other's friends. How many people do you know when they date, they just disappear off the face of the map? That's the wrong kind of intimacy. It's getting to know each other's family and friends. It's, it's being accountable in public. But people will say, the Bible says people who are dating, they can't be intimate. 
The Bible says that. They can't, there's no intimacy in dating if you're trying to obey what the Bible says. Listen, that's wrong. It's a different kind of intimacy, and I would argue this, this public intimacy is a deeper intimacy than the physical. For example, and here's how I know. For, well, one, the Bible says, but two, here's how this life supports the Bible. Number two, listen. Just like cue the, like, like the whole Red album of Taylor Swift. After a breakup, okay, great album. After a breakup, listen, the things you miss the most after a breakup, and you'll see this in high school and college when you feel the, the sting of love, right? After a breakup, listen, the things you miss the most about that relationship are rarely physical. After a breakup, the things you miss about the relationship, I mean, for real, like real talk, the things you miss the most about the relationship are rarely physical. It's the funny moments. It's the inside jokes. It's the fun dates. It's the times with friends and family. It's the surprises. It's the places that you would go together. That's what you miss the most because that's the most powerful kind of intimacy. So when the Bible says don't use physical intimacy during dating, stop writing and look at me. When the Bible says don't use physical intimacy during dating, he's not trying to take from you. He's not trying to take anything from you. You're still getting the most important kind of that intimacy. This is a weird part for Mallory to hop back in on. You're still getting that, that, the right kind of intimacy, the deeper thing you're still getting. So now put that back into 16 and 17. Look back again at verses 16 and 17. Let's read it one more time. Behold, you're beautiful, my love. Behold, you're beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Behold, you're beautiful, my beloved. Truly delightful. Okay? Not only are they happy, the more time away from physical stuff makes them more attracted to each other. Do you see this? Do you see how it builds The more time they're spending away from the physical stuff, the more attracted. Can you imagine being around this? It would drive me insane. Like, how many beholds and beloved? Like, we get it. Like, we get it. Relax. We get it. But they're crazy about each other. And physical intimacy is not involved. They're, They're surrounded by other people. They're not being physical and their intimacy for each other is growing. That is totally countercultural to today. Well, we've got to spend one-on-one time with each other. How else are we going to get to know one another? They don't seem to have that issue. Well, we've got to be physical. It's, a deepest, it's the deepest level of connection. They don't seem to have that issue. Not only are they happy, this time away from physical stuff makes her more attracted to him. How many beholds are in there? It makes him more attracted to her. Beloved is like 15 times in three verses. We have this belief that if you don't do physical stuff while dating, it's going to get weird. It's going to get stale. You'll stop liking each other because there's nothing to keep the relationship exciting. These two verses are saying the exact, listen, middle school, especially, these two verses are saying the opposite. The opposite of that is true. In fact, I would argue that when you introduce physical stuff into the relationship, that's when the staleness starts to break in. I wrote this in bold. Keeping the physical desires in their biblical place keeps the relationship growing and healthy. Keeping physical desires in the biblical place keeps the relationship growing and healthy. It's like this. Fire is good, right? Fire is awesome. But fire, when it gets out of the fireplace, only destroys. It only destroys. When it comes out 
of its intended place. Like you don't go home and like your lawn chair is on fire in the living room and you're like, oh yes. Like that's not what happens. If fire is out of this place, it starts to destroy. But that doesn't mean it's bad. It's Listen, it's good and it's powerful. This is the other thing too. This is powerful stuff. This is relationship altering stuff. So it has to stay in its proper place or it will destroy. Like you wouldn't, like if God came to you and was like, hey, don't light your bedroom wall on fire, you wouldn't be like, oh, you're so old school. Oh, you're so boring. Don't light your bedroom, like, don't do it. It's gonna, it's nothing good will happen after this. That's what he's trying. Listen, listen, listen. He's not trying to take from you. He's not trying to take from you. 2-7. Song of Solomon 2-7. I promise you we're the only youth group in Song of Solomon tonight, and that's probably a good thing. Song of Solomon 2-7. Some of these other youth pastors handling Song of Solomon, it'd be, it'd be scary. All right, Song of Solomon 2-7. Maybe this is scary. You know where I'm getting most of this? Mingling of souls. Mingling of souls, baby. 2-7. All right, here we go. I'll explain. I, this, is, this is her speaking. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem... By the gazelle, again, ladies, this is not your thing, all right? By the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. One more time. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Someone who asks someone to prom, please ask them by the gazelles of the field. Like, put it on the sign. I, that would be awesome. All right, so here we go. Do not awaken love until it pleases. Daughters of Jerusalem, all right? This is the beginning of chapter 2. What we were just reading a second ago was the end of chapter 1. You following me? So this is the natural thing that comes next. Here we go. So she's calling in, oh, daughters of Jerusalem. She's calling in her friends to talk about this, okay? Like people thousands of years ago treated relationships and dating the same way we do. She's got her girls with her right? She's ready. They're talking. It's awesome. There's hair braiding. It's beautiful. All right. Remember how, or what, I don't know what you guys are into, whatever. All right. So remember how chapter one ended. So chapter one has ended. She's having this amazing time, right? And we'll get to the guy and his boys in a minute who are playing video games, like camel racing video games or whatever in the ancient times. So remember how chapter one ended. She's having this amazing time. She's in love. She's like blaring like like love songs all the way home. It's so annoying to everyone else but her. It's great. He's setting the example. He's leading her the right way. The, the date is over and she comes home. She goes upstairs. Mom, how was the date? I don't want to talk about it. It was fine. And then she goes upstairs, right? And she closes the door. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem. She group chats her girls, right? Oh, daughters of Jerusalem. This is what she says. Again, please have a group chat called daughters of Jerusalem. Don't. And this is what she's saying. Can you go back to the verse? So she's saying, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem. Here we go, here we go. Don't just apply that part to your life. Like, apply the other parts too, please. By the gazelles or does of the field, do not stir up or awaken love. Listen, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. This is what she's saying. Listen, things are going so well in this relationship. Look at me. Things are going so well in this relationship. Don't let me use this physical desire I have in a bad way to mess this up. I really like this guy. Please help me. She's asking her friends, keep me accountable. Help me. He cares for me about he cares about me because of who I am. He's not just interested in my body or physical things. Please do not let me make a mistake here. 
Please do not let me mess this up with physical stuff. Do any of you have friends like that? Do you have someone that, that will keep you accountable? And you don't need a bunch. You don't need nine or ten. You need, like, fellas, you need one or two guys. One or two guys in your life. Seriously. One or two guys in your life that you can talk to about any of this stuff. Fridays, I'm home by myself. Lust, right there. Every Friday. I'm home. My wife's at work. I'm home by myself. You know what I'm talking about. My brother knows every Friday. Because I can't do it on my own. Do you have somebody that you can talk to about that stuff? Ladies, you don't need eight or ten. You need one to two. One to two other women in your life who you can talk to about this stuff. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot do this on your own. That is completely countercultural to what we're doing in our world today. We think, listen, listen, up here. We're th we think, listen, she's saying things are going well. Help me not to take these steps. We think in our culture, listen, and this is not true, high school, we think things are going well, now it's time to move forward physically, right? Now it's time for us to take these physical steps because things are going so well beforehand. But that's the thing that's messing it up. According to the Bible, moving forward physically during dating actually damages the relationship instead of helping it grow. She loves this guy, and she desires him physically, and that's okay. That's how it's supposed to work. But fire, just like intimacy, only works in the proper boundaries, or else it destroys, and she doesn't want that. Verse 7 again says, I adjure you, or I charge you, or swear to me. She's make, she wants to make an oath. She's serious about this. Now listen, we know, we know from earlier in Song of Solomon that she grew up in the country, okay? She's a country girl, all right? She is. She's a country girl, big wheels, the whole thing, pickup truck, I don't know, whatever. She goes like mudding. I don't know what girls do. It's awesome. Um, we learned about this early in the book. She's a country. The country is what she loves. It's where she feels safe, being out in the country. So look, when she says, swear by the gazelles or the does of the field, she's saying, this is what she's grown up with her whole life. These are the things that are important to her. Swear by the things that are most important to me that you do not awaken love until it's time. That you do not awaken love until it's time. This phrase, this phrase is mentioned three different times in Song of Solomon. Here, during the dating, in 3.5, right before the wedding, do not awaken love until it's time. And then in 8.4, after the wedding. We'll talk about that. Three times in this book, that phrase is repeated. This kind of, this is like a, it's like the chorus of a song, right? Stuff will happen, chorus. Stuff will happen, chorus. This is one of the themes of the whole book. Listen, one of the themes in a book about relationships done the right way is don't do this before it's time. Like a book about the best relationship isn't about the relationship. It's about waiting. That should tell us something. A book of the Bible about the best relationship isn't focused on the relationship. If you make the relationship about the relationship, it'll never work. But if you make the relationship about God and the other person, that's a relationship. 
That will work. But then they also say this again in 8.4 after the marriage. After the honeymoon. They say, don't awaken love until it's time. Why would they do that? They're saying back to the younger men and younger women, we're glad that we waited. We're more thankful than ever that we waited. Their tune has not changed. In fact, they're more sure of it now after they're married. Does that make sense? They're more sure of it now after they're married. Now, let's chat for a minute. We also learn in 1.6 that this girl is very insecure about her appearance. We learn later that she has doubts and other insecurities. And then in chapter 5 of Song of Solomon, the couple has marriage problems. This couple that Song of Solomon was wrote about has marriage problems. And I bring this up. Listen to me, church kids. I bring this up because we cannot think that waiting before marriage will fix everything. You hear me? We cannot think that waiting before marriage will fix everything about a marriage. An article blew up in 2014 about a girl who wished that she hadn't waited before marriage because she was expecting her marriage to be awesome because she waited, and it wasn't. It was just normal. And that crushed her. But she waited. She obeyed God. And then she left God because things didn't go the way she wanted. But listen to me. Because God wasn't her God, waiting was. Do you hear me? God wasn't her God, her good behavior was. And when your good behavior becomes your God, then when you behave well and things go wrong, you're mad at God. Because He owes you. Does that make sense? Her God wasn't her... Waiting will... Her opinion was, waiting will give me everything I want in a marriage. And it won't. And listen, shame on us in the church when we teach that. That waiting will give you everything you want in a marriage. Because listen, waiting can't give you everything you want in a marriage. Marriage can't give you everything you want in a marriage. Only God can. Listen, to, remember what we talked about earlier? Waiting is a good thing. We just talked about it for like 30 minutes. It was so awkward. It was, waiting is a good thing. It wasn't awkward. You guys were great. Waiting is a good thing, but, even, but in our sinful hearts, good things can become God, and since it's a good thing, you don't even realize that you're sinning. Does that make sense? We were talking about this earlier. You're still dead in your sin, but your sin just looks like behavior. Like you're not wilding out on Friday and Saturday nights. You're super behaved, but in your behaviorness, you look down on those who are less well-behaved. You look down on those who aren't waiting. But you're still dead in your sins. Your sins are just behavior. So wait, now do we huh, so wait? So do we wait or not wait? Listen, brother Symbold, we are to wait as someone who worships God, not as someone who wants something from him. You see the difference? We are to wait as someone who worships God. Not as someone who wants something from him. Here's what that means. I'm, wait, I'm waiting before marriage. I'm waiting because it'll make my marriage that much better. Well, in some ways it will, but not every, listen, not every way. 
And listen, here's the thing. What happens if you wait, but your spouse didn't wait? Do you abandon your spouse? Do you secretly blame every bad thing that happens in your marriage on your spouse because they couldn't do what you could? See, that reveals that you're, listen, that reveals that you're waiting, but you're not worshiping. You see the difference? You're waiting, but you're not worshiping God. You're just as concerned about the physical stuff as the person who does physical stuff all the time. You two are the same. The older and younger brother and the prodigal son are the same. You both worship physical stuff. You just show it differently. And the problem is that neither one worships God. You both think that by focusing on God and not focusing, or that, that if you focus on God and not the physical stuff, you'll miss out. Listen, when God says to wait, when God says to return evil with good, I don't see a lot of that today, especially on Facebook. Looking at you, mom and dad. Not my mom and dad. They don't have Facebook, but you get it, right? Like, to, when God says return evil with good, listen to that. Return evil with good. When God says to turn the other cheek when someone hits you, our first, listen, our first impulse is, I'm going to miss out if I do that. I'm going to miss out if I do that. And it's the same lie that Adam and Eve believed in the garden. Don't think that that story has nothing to do with your life today. It's the same lie. Eat of this fruit and you'll be like God. But if you obey him, you're going to miss out. Let me say it one more time in bold. And if you're a note taker, please write this down. He is not trying to take from you. He's not trying to take anything from you. He invented relationships. He invented them. You don't think he's going to do it right? Like if you're, like if you're at our merchie and you like sprain your ankle and you go see Bo and you're like, oh, Bo, I wouldn't go about it like that. See, really? You're going you're to correct the guy who's been to school for it? Like, oh, hey, Bo, I would ease up on that pressure. Please stop. Like, oh, but, and, and you think that, and it is, and it, we think that's silly, but like, what do we think? Oh, Lord, no, no, no. I know you invented relationships, and you've watched billions of relationships for thousands of years, but at 18, I got this. Are you, really? But this is what we do. We think we know better, and we think he's trying to take from us, but this, listen, listen, listen. He's not some angry, like, foot-tapping, eye-rolling old guy in the sky. James 1.17 says this. Look at this verse. Every good and perfect, what's that next word? Every good and perfect gift is from above, is from above, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. It do, that verse does not say, be holy as God is holy. Now, that's true. But according to James, we can know God by what he gives to us. What he gives to us. Does that sound like a God who's trying to take from you? A God who wants to give to you? And let me say this too. To those in here who it's already too late. Who physically it's too late. I need everyone to look at me real quick. To everyone in here who it is too late. It is not too late with Jesus. Does that make sense to you? It is not too late with Jesus. I learned about this thing in, in Asia during tea ceremonies. I will connect this to your life, don't worry. In Asia, in tea ceremonies, 
they hand this family heirloom, right? That is this bowl where all the tea stuff goes. And it's like some of these jokers are like hundreds and hundreds of years old. Like multiple generations going down the line, right? And, and sometimes these things break. And that's a big deal. This joker's hundreds of years old, worth thousands of dollars, and it's got family ties, right? And you break this thing. There's this company in Asia that takes these broken pieces and they glue them back together, but they don't glue them with like Elmer's whatever. They use silver or platinum or gold to glue these things back together piece by piece. And now the bowl, listen to me, and now the bowl, those of you who have gone too far and it's too late, listen to me, now the bowl is actually worth more than it was before it started. This is what Jesus Christ does with your life when you sin. He doesn't, he, like, like in, the, in the prodigal son, what does the dad do when the prodigal comes back? Does he roll his eyes? He runs to his kid. This kid who took everything and spent it all and has nothing to show for it. How many times in relationships do we spend ourselves and then the relationship ends and we have nothing to show for it? You're exactly the one that Jesus wants to run to. You see that? There's this thing that people used to do where like they would hand this rose out at the beginning of a youth group. And the rose, have you heard about this? And the rose would get passed around. And at the end, it was about purity. And like the pastor's big punch was he picks up this broken, and it's been handled by all these people. And the youth pastor picks up this rose at the end, and it's all been handled and ruined. And he says, who would want this? Let me tell you, Jesus Christ does. Does that make sense? Jesus, Jesus wants that rose that has been handled and broken and messed up. There is no such thing as I've done this, now Jesus won't come running to me. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Okay? People in your life may not. Fools who don't know Jesus. You come back, fool, behold, fool. Like, it's not going to help, but like they, like they may not come back to you if it's too far. But you will never be able to go farther than Jesus can reach. Does that make sense? There is forgiveness waiting for you. And it's not, but that's the thing. That's not even that good. He's not waiting. He's running to you. Like, think about this. Think about this. There is so much stuff going on in Rome on Wednesday nights. Like, there's restaurants. There's, there's sports stuff. There's, like, there's some great video games out right now. There's some great shows on Netflix. You've got a lot of homework, Lord knows. Like, you could be anywhere tonight, but you're here listening to the Bible tell you that Jesus will forgive you when you mess this up. You think you're here because your parents brought you? You think you're here because you drove here? He's God. He's God. You're here because he wants you to hear. Like, I wish Jesus would run to me. He's doing it right now. Does that make sense? Like, he's doing it right now, saying, listen, it's okay it's okay, I'm here. Come home, I'm here. That's what Jesus Christ does. Okay? Cool. Do I need to read the behold thing so we can like, oh, for a minute. We okay? Like, there are so many adults in here who you can talk to and it will not be weird. I promise it won't be. Um, but we love you guys and we're here for you guys and we want you guys to be comfortable here 
if you're if you're dating somebody, like you like I'd love to meet them. I'll be I mean it's gonna be weird, but we'll get over it together, right? <laughs> There's t-shirts, it's gonna be great. There's gaga ball, you can change the subject, it's gonna be fine. Like we want this to be a place where relationships are handled seriously, where you guys, you guys are trying to worship Jesus together. I had a teacher, I'm going over time, whatever, I had a teacher um, in my Hebrew class in seminary, listen to me, and anytime you, you messed up in translating Hebrew, he would take a marker off his board and throw it at you, okay? <laughs> and, and he was, and, but his point, and he was awesome, and his point, his point was like, his point was like, dude, you're learning a new language. Hebrew, they read left to right, it's awful. Like, you don't have to apologize, like, this is hard. You're learning a new language. Can we all agree, adults, that doing life is way harder than learning Hebrew? Probably. College kids. Doing life is hard. So you've got to... That's... Oh. You get it. It's that difficult. I can't even remember. Please tell me that's not the only thing you took away from this moment, is that he, I got Hebrew wrong. Like, we're... That's good. I want it to. We're here for you guys, and we love you guys, okay? And Jesus loves you guys way more than we can. All right, so let me pray, and then Brian is going to have the best transition ever and do announcements, okay? And we have a special thing to give away. Love you guys. Let's pray.